Okay, okay, we're going to get to the podcast in just one minute. But imagine I gave you the opportunity to invest in Microsoft, in Apple, in Tesla at its infancy. And now you made all this profit and it would be unbelievable. You'd be so thankful and so grateful. I believe that that day is today for Torch. Because for the next 36 hours, every donation you contribute at givetorch.net is doubled by our generous matchers, and you can come in at the ground floor. Yes, last year, over 1 million people enjoyed our podcasts. You as well, I hope. And I believe we can get to 10 million this year, but we need your help. It's only one day a year that we ask. We need your contribution. We need your partnership. We love your partnership and your friendship. Please contribute at givetorch.net, givetorch.net. Every dollar is matched. I apologize for taking your time. Thank you so much in advance for your support. Enjoy this episode. You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby, Director of Torch, Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. All right. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. We're coming to you live from the Torch Center in Houston, Texas, and we are going to start talking about Yom Kippur. What is the essence of the day of Yom Kippur? Avodas Hayom, the work, the service, the dedication of the day of Yom Kippur. What is it? So this awesome day of Yom Kippur, Biyom Kadosh Hazed, this holy day, Hashem Yisbarach Meir Or Gadol V'Gavoah, Hashem shines a very, very bright light on the world, a very elevated, lofty light. Shenikra or Habina, which is the light of discern, discernment, understanding, a deep understanding. She'al Yidea Orazeh, which upon this light, Roim Bechol Dovar Mahi Pimiusa, we're able to discern and understand the internal mechanisms of everything in this world. Okay, what is the deeper inner workings of my life, of the world, of God? What's really going on? We see the external. We see the matrix. We see, you know, it's like, you look at this wall. It looks like a beautiful wall, very nicely painted. It's, it's all plastered and it's all beautiful. But the truth is that if you take away the paint, you suddenly see that it's not such a beautiful wall. If you take away the plaster, you'll see even more that it's not such a beautiful wall because you have screws, you have behind it, you have these two-by-fours, and inside that you have insulation, and you have wires and cables, all of these things going on over there. But what do we do? We make a facade, we cover it, and it looks to the eye like everything's just beautiful. You look at a beautiful brand-new BMW. You know what it really is? It really is a bunch of scrap metal that's soldered together. But they put a nice cover on it, and now it looks all beautiful. So what we need to understand when we talk about the depth of something, the depth of something is not necessarily what you see. When you talk about this world, this existence, the life that we live, there's much more to it than the eye sees. And that's what we're able to reveal on Yom Kippur. 
On Yom Kippur, it's not an ordinary day of what you see is what you get. It's what you see is you're able to discern the deeper existence of something. What is that internal world that we're able to detect and see with clarity in creation? The godly light. There's a godly light, a godly illumination that is the inner existence of all creation. Right? Is it making sense? You understand that every, uh, okay, here's an, here's an example. You see a corpse on the floor. You go over and say, hello. They don't answer. You shake them. No response. Why not? What's lacking? The godly soul. The godly light. It says, by the way, the same things if someone's sleeping. But if they're sleeping, they're not alive? No, they are alive. What are they missing? Well, God takes part of our soul, so to speak, and cleans it up at night. That's where we wake up. We wake up every morning, and we're all renewed and refreshed. And we may have gone to sleep upset, and we wake up in the morning, we're like, well, why was I upset last night? I don't even remember. It's a new day, because God cleans our soul, freshens it up, and gives it back to us. So we're also a little bit Talmud says that sleep is a 60th of death. So what's happening here is on Yom Kippur, we're able to see the inner light of God's creation. What is the inner light? Godliness. Do you know what gives life to everything that exists? You know, in Houston, we had a drought over the summer, and many plants died, many trees died. Much of Houston grass is no longer green, it's now brown. And as much as you water it, it's still not enough, because you can't fight the sun that's beaming a nitrogen bomb on Earth every day at 103, 104, 105 degrees. But what gives life to those plants anyway? What gives life to it? What gives life to the planets, to the galaxies, to humanity? It's the light of Hashem. Ha'or ha'eloki, the light of Hashem. So what is so special about Yom Kippur? That light is so powerful. On the day of Yom Kippur, in every area of life, you're able to see that godly light. We're able to see it in other people. We're able to see it most of all, most importantly, in ourselves. There's something about Yom Kippur which has a completely different aura. It's not like any other day of the year. Now, there's another reason why we're able to connect on such a deep level on Yom Kippur. And that is because we don't have the distractions. Food, eating is a distraction. Comforts, distraction. So we don't wear leather shoes. 
We don't eat. We don't wash ourselves and shower and make our bodies feel good. All that we're staying away from on Yom Kippur. Why? Because now we're trying to connect on a whole deeper level, not on an external level, on an internal level. And even the furthest of places, and even in the most materialistic places, even in a place of sin, and even in the souls that are the furthest from the Almighty, everywhere that light of God can be seen on Yom Kippur. There's a special revelation on Yom Kippur, which is not like any other day of the year. Because the more we distance ourselves, the more we, we chop, we chisel away from our physical being, the more we're allowing ourselves to, to, we're allowing our spiritual being to exist. You know, it's very interesting. The last day of Sukkot, we're going to start saying part of our prayer a little differently. Instead of, we're going to say, instead of saying Morid Hatal, we're going to say Mashiv Haruach Umorid Hagashem. Mashiv Haruach, in a literal translation, Mr. Artskol, Mashiv Haruach means he who, Hashem, who makes the wind blow and brings down the rain. Now, if you change the vowels, there's different understandings to different words. Ruach means wind, but Ruach also means spirit. Geshem means rain, it also means materialism. Gashmiut. Mashiv Ruach. When someone elevates themselves with Ruach, with spirituality, you know what happens? Morit Hagashem, it lowers their physicality. The Ramchal says the most incredible thing. He says there's a scale. The scale is when you elevate yourself spiritually, you automatically lower your physicality, your materialism, and vice versa. If one elevates their materialism, they're lowering their spiritual senses. You can't be full tank on both. It's one or the other. It's one or the other. And a person needs to understand this. You want to invest in a physical, materialistic world? No problem. It's going to come at the expense of your spiritual life. You want to invest in your spiritual existence? It's going to come at the expense of your of your materialistic life. You can't have both. That's a fake American invention. That you can live the fine life, wine and dine, and also be spiritually immersed. It's impossible. Ramchal says it's one or the other. You can't have them both. They're a contradiction. The very existence of spirituality is a contradiction to materialism. Materialism is a contradiction to spirituality. You can't have them both ways. So what we say, particularly at the beginning of a winter, we say, elevate yourself with ruchaniyut, with spirituality, and then what will happen? Morid hagashem, you lower your physicality. What do we do on Yom Kippur? We completely remove all materialism. So that we're allowing for our spiritual senses to open up. We're allowing ourselves to connect on a whole new level. Zehu mahuso, mahus, zehu mahus oro shel Yom Kippur. 
This is the essence of the light of Yom Kippur. Hayom Shabbat Hashem Yisbaruch Meir Lekol Yehudi, the day that God brings light to every single Jew, what is the essence, what is the truth of each person. And by way of this exceptional light, we're able to see the true internal essence of everything around us, including, most importantly, ourselves. Yom Kippur is a day where all the truth comes out. Yom Kippur is a day where there's no more facade, where there's no more fake, where there's no more make-believe. This is the real you. And it's revealed on Yom Kippur. Therefore, we too, because of this great light, we disconnect from those physical pleasures. We don't wash our hands and face the way we normally do. We don't walk in our leather shoes, marital relations, eating, drinking. Because having those physical pleasures can remove our clarity of seeing the inner depth of, of things. On this day of Yom Kippur, we only are dealing with our internal being. There's no external. Everyone's wearing white. There's nothing, you know, look at someone has a nicer dress than you, a nicer white dress than you. It's white. It's very, very interesting that when we talk about the internal workings of the world, we can see it. It's revealed. My grandfather used to relate the following story. That when he was in the Mir Yeshiva, now the height of the day, like the most important part of Yom Kippur, is praying Musaf prayer in synagogue. The soul-stirring tunes, the, the, the focus, the connection that you feel on Musaf is like the pinnacle. So what happens... My grandfather is right before Musaf. And he was a young student at the time in the mirror in Poland. And someone walks over to him. He says, where's so-and-so? So my grandfather said, oh, he's, uh, he's sick. I heard that he's not feeling well. So he said, did you visit him yet? So my grandfather says, now? <laughs> it's, it's about to, we're about to pray Musaf. He says, what are you talking about? That's the mitzvah of the day. The mitzvah of the day. So my grandfather didn't know what to do. So he said, okay, I guess I have to go visit this fellow student. So my grandfather goes and he says, and who was there? Who was there visiting the student? All of the top brass of the yeshiva were sitting along the bedside of this individual. Well, but it's almost Musaf. It's the most important part of, of Yom Kippur, the, the Musaf service, the offerings that were brought. It was like, it's unbelievable. But there's something more unbelievable than the prayer that's becoming selfless. It's being there, existing for someone else. To go beyond yourself, to go beyond your comfort zone, beyond what you enjoy doing, 
beyond what you think is meaningful to go visit a sick person. My grandfather, remember him saying, you're a blade malim. You're talking about one of the greatest students that ever left the Mir Yeshiva. One of the most brilliant minds. Like the, the, the lions of the Yeshiva. They're all sitting at the bedside. That's the mitzvah of the day. You see someone who needs something? My grandfather once, I'll tell you another story. This is not on Yom Kippur. But it's just so they understand how we need to go beyond ourselves. My grandfather said that one time it was Marif prayer. Now we know, we learned this in our halacha, in our everyday Judaism class, that one is not allowed to stop between the blessing of the redemption, Gal Yisrael, and the Amidah. You're not allowed to stop for anything. Obviously, there are some exceptions. Common sense exceptions. So my grandfather, he said it was the evening prayer and they're right before the Amidah, and a fellow who was visiting the yeshiva stood up and fainted on the floor. And the boy standing right next to him in the yeshiva, my grandfather's student, you're not allowed to talk between, you're not allowed to do anything between the blessing of the redemption and the Amidah. So he just takes his three steps back, takes his three steps forward, and starts his Amidah prayer. The guy is on the floor next to him. Obviously, other people with more sense ran over to the individual. My grandfather was livid about this. How can someone stand there thinking that they're righteous, talking to God, when you have a fellow human who just dropped to the floor and needs, a, and needs help? Obviously, you don't have your priorities right. But, oh, but the halacha says. Yeah, but the halacha also says to have common sense. Mm -hmm. So there is something about superseding the laws of what the Torah tells us for the common sense, for doing what's right. Look, you're allowed to, for the sake of saving a life, you're allowed to desecrate the Shabbos. In fact, it's not called desecrating the Shabbos. You know, for those of you who don't know online, I'm a first responder. And unfortunately, there are times on Shabbos that people need medical assistance. And I get a, a tone and I need to go respond to help somebody. So I had many people ask me, so how does it feel to drive on Shabbos? I said, I don't drive on Shabbos. What do you mean? We saw you driving on a call, on a Hatzalah call on Shabbos. I said, it's not Shabbos. When I'm going on that Hatzalah call, it's a Tuesday. When I get back home, Shabbos resumes. But when you're going to do that mitzvah, it's not Shabbos. You're not desecrating the Shabbos. You're fulfilling the Shabbos. It's the mitzvah of Shabbos. You're going to save a life. So what we need to understand is there's a deeper expression that needs to be revealed. On Yom Kippur, that expression is far greater than any other time of the year. We're able to see the inner depths of something. So, this great light, where Hashem opens up our eyes so that we're able to see the inner workings of everything. 
This light brings about a yearning within us to want and yearn for a closeness with Hashem. A kirvas elokim, a closeness with Hashem. And to live a true life. Yom Kippur has a special power to reveal the truth in our lives. Because we understand that only the only thing that's worthwhile is a closeness with Hashem. The entire world, everybody's running after something. You know what they're running after? A closeness with Hashem. But they're running in all the wrong places. What are they searching for? People think, oh, I'm going to go to the mall. I'm going to go shopping. What do you need? I don't need anything. So what are you going for? What are you going for? I'm going to look for things. You know what they're looking for? They're looking for the God that's within them. The godliness. That's what they're searching for. And people go shopping and they think that's going to satisfy their spiritual yearning and it doesn't work. So they have to go again. And they have to go again. And maybe it's going to be when I work out and when I'm perfectly slim, trim, and fit. And when I do my exercise and when I run the marathon and when I buy that car or when I marry that, that woman or that man and, and, and buy, and buy that house and live in my, have my dream family and get those pictures and get everything that people think and dream of. You know where the godliness really is? It's within ourselves. There's nothing external that can fulfill us. There's only something internal that can fulfill us. What we're trying to get on Yom Kippur is that internal light. I'll tell you a story. Some Several years ago, we ran a Yom Kippur retreat. We had a hotel, rented out. We did it for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And we had many people who came and stayed for the whole Yom Kippur with us at the hotel. And we had special arrangements with the hotel. They didn't give the electric cards. They gave us the manual keys so that, you know, you don't need to trigger the electricity when you walked into the rooms. There were many, it was, it was, it was a very special program. We had an explanatory, uh, explanatory service. We had an advanced service. It was magnificent. So there's a couple that drove to the hotel that we were staying at. And they prayed the morning prayer with us. They went back home. They came back for the afternoon for the for the mincha service and then ila service. And they were clearly not observant at the time. But they were part of it. It was very special how dedicated they were. In middle of the later afternoon, the husband went with a few of his friends. He went to one of the local supermarkets and he went to buy some food for the breakfast for him and his friends. His wife came out and she's looking for him. She asked my wife, do you know where my husband is? She says, oh, I saw him go with a few friends. They were talking about going to buy some food for the breakfast. They wanted to have something special at your house or something. I don't know the details, but that's what, it, that's what he said. And she started crying like you can't imagine. But it's Yom Kippur. How can he do that? It's Yom Kippur. And she was screaming to my wife, wailing 
but it's Yom Kippur. Now, I ask you, Shabbat she wasn't observing. Yom Kippur she wasn't observing. What was that spark within her that made her say that? It's the spark that we're talking about. There's this flash of clarity. Now today, thank God, her, her husband, her family are all Shomer Shabbos. They're all Shabbat observant. They're all Yom Kippur observant. Special, special people. But at that moment, she had a moment of clarity. How is it possible? You know, in Israel, this is the most amazing thing. In Israel, you know what people do on Yom Kippur? The entire country is shut down. People will go with their bicycles, and they'll go with their bicycles with their children, but nobody will drive a car on Shabbos, on Yom Kippur. Nobody. The entire country is shut down. That's why the war that broke out on Yom Kippur was the enemies knew that everyone is in synagogue on Yom Kippur or they're riding their bicycles. Now, it happens to be that a bicycle is muktzah. You're not allowed to ride a bicycle on Shabbos or Yom Tov, but that's a side of the point. But do you understand that people are able to sense there's something different about this day? There's something which is holier. There's something which is more dignified on this day, which is more special than any other day of the year. Because the revelation of godliness in the world is at the highest level possible. There's no day like Yom Kippur. I remember there are some halachic tricks that you can do on Shabbos, on Yom Tov, on a regular holiday, on Shabbos. If you know what you're doing, there are some things that you can do I once asked the rabbi on Yom Kippur if I can do the same leniency as they do on Shabbos. I said, Yom Kippur, we don't play with. Remember, my wife was pregnant. It was, I was like, it was a, eh, maybe we can, Yom Kippur, you don't play games with. No, Shabbos, we don't either play games with. But there's something about Yom Kippur which is so awesome and holy that we have to do everything we possibly can not to block that light. The light that shines within each and every one of us. King David says, you know what I'm looking for? You know what's really the essence of my search? A closeness with God. That's what I need. King David says, all I'm looking for is that closeness with God. The only thing that is real, real, and that is real good is closeness with Hashem. The real inner workings of the holiness of the Jewish soul is revealed on Yom Kippur. And it's very clear that their souls are yearning with a fiery holiness. All they're seeking is a closeness with God and to serve Hashem. You ask any secular Israeli who's in the kiosks and the malls, 
Um, can you keep your cask open for Yom Kippur? Say, I can't do that. What do you mean you can't do that? What do you mean you can't do that? Yom Kippur, it's, a, it's an important day of the week. I, I can't work on Yom Kippur. What do you mean you can't work on Yom Kippur? It's Monday. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's a holy day. I can't do it. Everybody understands there's something different about Yom Kippur than any other day of the year. This is a very essential component of Yom Kippur. To reveal the heart of the Jew. It awakens to desire a closeness with God. Okay, so we're talking about the light, the internal light that shines. We're talking about a connection with Hashem that is on such a great level. Okay, but now what? What is the theme of the day of Yom Kippur? Tshuva, repentance. Ah, let's see how that works. And this desire for the Jewish people to connect with God on this day, that brings us to return with repentance to the Almighty. Vigam gomeres goremes, and this also causes lekaporas haavonos. You want to know what atonement for sins is? When we repent, when we realize that light, and we see suddenly, oh my goodness. I have fallen short of my responsibilities. I'm, I have such an, imagine the following. I mean, we can see this now because we have a prince who's gone rogue from the British Empire. Right? We have a prince, Prince Harry, right? He moved to LA. He's living a different type of life than his family would like him to. He relinquished, relinquished his title. Well, obviously, when his father was coronated as king, he got a back seat. He didn't put him in the front row. He wasn't, he's not, doesn't act like a prince. Doesn't behave like a prince. Probably, I'm hoping one day he will realize, what have I done? I'm from a royal family and I act like a peasant. I act like a Hollywood boy. It's, it's unbecoming for the kingdom. A thousand times greater than that is our status as a Jewish person. Children of the Almighty. Where the Almighty says, in this week's parsha, we just learned today, Ashrechem Yisrael mi kamocha is in this week's parsha in, in Vizosa Bracha. Who is like you? Oh, incredible Israelites. There's no one like the Jewish people. Not because we're, you know, different. We're because God blessed us, and the nation. We're not. We're not. We're not shy about it. Talk about it with the world, and we can tell the world. Yes, we're not going to assimilate. We're different. Who made you different? What do you think? You're better than us? Yes. You know who says it? God. You all had the opportunity. To accept the Torah. You turned it down. We didn't turn it down. We said yes. Nasa v'nishma. 
We're not sticking it to anybody's eyes. We're not trying to poke out other people's eyes. On the contrary, we're the only religion that doesn't force people to convert. We're the only people on planet Earth, the only nation, that when someone comes to convert, we say no. And they come back and they say, please, please, please. We say no. And they come back again and again and finally we say, okay, fine. You really want it. I, I remember someone approached the rabbi. I was standing right there. They said, Rabbi, I want to convert. He says, you know, a psychiatrist would be cheaper. Why would you want to convert? But you know what? I'll tell you why. Because people see the truth and they say, I want it. I want to be close to God. I want this. I want this relationship. The only way to get that relationship is through his Torah. You got to be in it. It's like someone who loves aviation. A big admirer. They read every flying magazine. They read the AOPA magazine. They read all of the the uh, the aviation magazines. They read them all. They know all the manuals. They know all the books. Right? You'd say they're a big admirer of, of aviation. You say, I want to fly a plane. What do you say to them? Well, do you have a license to fly? Excuse me, do you know what an admirer I am? No, no, no. You got to go to school and get the license. You don't have the license, it doesn't help. You can be an admirer of the Jewish people. You can be an admirer, even a studier of the Torah. If you don't convert, you're not in it. And we have to understand that it comes with a responsibility. It comes with the responsibility to be and to act and to carry ourselves around in a way of dignity. On an elevated plane, we're not like everybody else. And on Yom Kippur, it's the day where it all, where it's action. It's all action. No more talking. Let's see. What is a sin? A sin is a barrier that's created between us and the Almighty. What happened? Why did someone sin? Let's give an example, an easy example. Someone eats non-kosher food. I had a big temptation. I was really hungry. I smelled the, the, the McDonald's from down the block and I just couldn't overcome it. I got myself the what are they called? Mick, mix something? Mix something, right? I got the mix something. What did you do by eating that? You created a barrier between you and the Almighty. But now comes Yom Kippur. I'm standing there. I'm like, Hashem, I want all that light. But there's this barrier. All the sins that a person does create a barrier between us and the Almighty. Ah, now I need to do teshuva. I need to return. How do I return? I remove those barriers. How do I remove those barriers? That's the teshuva process. The teshuva process is that we return to Hashem where we have no more barriers between us and God. So what happened? We followed our temptations. We followed our yetzaharah. And then what happens? The Ozavas Hashem is Baruch. And you distanced yourself from God. Vesritzona and the will of Hashem. Vinir Lachorashu Lo Rotse Es Hashem is Baruch Hashem. 
And by doing this sin, a person is demonstrating that he doesn't really want a connection with God. I want my burger, my make something, instead of my relationship with Hashem. It's taking precedence over my relationship with God. That's a big problem. But on this day of the day of Yom Kippur, but the depths, the real essence of the Jewish soul comes to light. And every single Jewish soul gets filled up with a desire to connect with that light. We want to connect now. Vishav a love bechalibo, and now we were able to return to Hashem with all of our heart. And at that moment, he decides, "I am no longer going to stay distant from Hashem." And we accept upon ourselves that here on in, Hashem takes precedence over my urges and my desires. That Hashem is baruch bekabel is of Hashavim a love bechol pnimius nafsham. And Hashem says here, come home. Daddy's waiting for you. The Almighty brings us close. He says, come, my children. All you need to do is return to me and I will be there for you. Hashem will always be there for us. And when a Jew comes back and does tshuva and removes those barriers and gets that closeness with Hashem, what they're doing is they're revealing that even a Jew who is filled with sins really deep inside they're desiring Hashem. They're desiring that closeness. It's the most magnificent thing in the world that we have the ability to repent directly with the Almighty without any intermediaries. I said this story in the past. I once had a woman in the class right here. She says to me, Rabbi, can I confess? I'm like, wrong religion. In Judaism, you don't confess to anyone. We don't have confessionals, and you don't sit there lifting that little veil or whatever it is to the priest and saying, oh, I need to confess. I did this. I did that. No, that doesn't, that's not a Jewish concept. You know what you do do? You talk to God directly. We have no conduits, no intermediaries. You talk to God direct. There's no stopovers. It's a direct connection with God. And what do we see after all of this? That the Jewish people really don't want to sin to begin with. Because by this revelation of the inner workings of a Jew, what happens? They don't want to sin at all. They're not even in the realm of sin. The externals, the external forces are confusing us. Really deep inside, we don't want to be doing that. Really deep inside, we don't want to eat that mix something. We don't want to fall to temptations. We don't want to do things that we shouldn't do. We know the right thing. Everybody has a moral compass. Everybody knows what's right and what's wrong. 
those external forces, those external powers are the ones that really pull us to sin. But internally, we don't want to sin ever. This is what's revealed on Yom Kippur. On Yom Kippur, we go into pray. And what do we say? Hashem Hu Olokim. Hashem, you are our God. We say it seven times on top of our lungs. Why do we do that? We do that so that we eradicate all of the negative forces. So that we declare with a firm declaration, Hashem, I'm with you. With no barriers. There's nothing getting in the way. The soul, the inner soul. What is that soul? Our sages tell us. The soul is a part of God, so to speak. God doesn't have pieces. God doesn't chop a little piece. Here's a piece of my, of my being. No. But it's a, a way of us understanding the closeness we have with Hashem. And not to be separate from Hashem. We're one with Hashem. Every person at their level. Every person who has any form of barrier between them and the Almighty has the opportunity on Yom Kippur to remove those barriers. By the way, it's not only in Yom Kippur, it's every day. But in Yom Kippur, it's wholesale. God says... Any any deal, I'll take. Now you know why Jews love wholesale, right? This is not anything new. This is not anything new. It's always there. But now it's revealed. Now every person is able to see, ah, I really don't want that. I don't want those terrible things. I really want to be close to Hashem. That your inner workings is really good and really pure. He says, all of those flaws, all of those times that we fell, you know what they're really, what the source of them were? They're these external forces, let's call them our demons, which we need to fight. Which we, by the way, we have part of our prayer every single day. We say it every morning. Every morning when we say our, our morning blessings, we say, Hashem, do not bring us into the power of error, nor into the power of transgression or sin, nor into the power of challenge, nor into the power of scorn. Let not the evil inclination dominate us. Distance us from an evil person and an evil companion. Attach us to the good inclination and to good deeds and force our evil inclination to be subservient to you. Grant us today and every day grace, kindness, and mercy in your eyes and in the eyes of all who see us. And the blessing continues. It's a prayer that we pray every day, that we shouldn't fall into those forces. That we shouldn't fall into those traps. And we shouldn't have those, those temptations. This is what we ask for. We ask, Hashem, please protect us from those negative external forces. Because deep inside, what do we really want? Deep inside, we want that oneness with Hashem. 
We want that unlimited connection with God where we have no barriers, where we have no limitations, that that light is all there, all present. The gift of Yom Kippur is that that light shines brighter than any other day. The inner light within each Jew. Umamelan, therefore, Kasher Yehudi Misvade Almashin Nidbak when a person confesses to the wrongdoings that he's done, the Ozevoso, and he leaves the wrongdoing. We mentioned that there are, there's a four step process to repentance. You have to leave the sin. You have to confess that you've done a sin. You have to accept for the future. I'm missing one. And you have to have regrets. So a person who confesses and he leaves a sin, vishavel Hashem Yisbarach, and now returns to God, miyad Hashem Yisbarach, mechaperlo alakol. God, you come to God, you say, Hashem, I'm sorry. I'm going to accept not to do it again. I'm not going to go to those terrible places. I'm not going to eat those foods. I'm not going to go to talk to those people, negative influences. I want to connect with you only. What does Hashem do? Hashem welcomes us in. Hashem forgives him for everything. Because it turns out, God sees with clarity, he never wanted to do that bad. He never wanted to do that evil. And deep inside, he really was always connected with God. He just didn't know it. He created barriers. The person himself created barriers. But always he really wanted to be with the Almighty. So what's the work? What's the work of this day? So the first thing is, the Arizal says that there are two different works on Yom Kippur. Two different things that we need to do. The first thing is, what are the lower things of existence? She says over here, the commentary here says, Even people who are very distant from religion, they still fast and they watch over this holy day. Because on this day, it doesn't make a difference your level of religiosity, your level of observance. Everybody has that light shining. I feel our chokim, even someone who's been distant from the Almighty. A true internal connection with God is revealed on this day. More powerful than any other day. So we know that we have five different levels of creation. Right? You know what they are? We're not going to go to the to the to the kabbalistic part of it. Let's go to the simple part of it, right? We have the domain, which is like a rock, which is nothing. It doesn't have domain, 
tzomeach, something which grows, chai, medaber, right? Tzomeach is something which grows, plants, fruits, vegetables, flowers, trees, chai, um, no, some, then there's something that's living, a living organism like an animal. Then you have a medaber, which is a human that talks, and then you have a Yehudi. Right? So there's five different levels. The, the lowest one, a rock. A rock. So it would seem that the rock doesn't have really any type of spiritual abilities. So, by the way, what's a rock? Every physical thing that we have. Right? Your car is a rock. It doesn't really have an existence on its own. I know that you can have your Tesla drive to you. I know that. Okay, great. Okay? But it's a rock that moves. Okay. So we could find, we can identify even in that level, the lowest level, you can find godliness. Shihi ha-malchus ha haguf so things that are more materialistic in their nature, like a rock, which is all materialism, it's all physical. They're all repairing themselves, so to speak. Even in things that don't have life, so to speak, although Rocks do have life. It's a different different form of life. They have energy, and they have, there are many other uh, forms of of. Uh, but it's called a domem. It's not a. It doesn't walk around, and it doesn't uh, live like a normal human does. Okay. Says vehainu lavod belizbonin. What is this day to work and to introspect? that anything in this world, even something physical and materialistic completely, you know what gives it the ability to function? These cameras, we have a bunch of technology here. You know what gives it the ability to function, to operate, to compute? The light of Hashem. That gives it the ability I'll, I'll give you in a second so you understand. What's electricity? Who made that there should be such a thing called electricity in this world? Hashem put this force into the world. See, anything, a computer, these cameras, these recorders, the only way for them to exist is through a creation that Hashem created. By the way, we didn't invent a single thing since the creation of, of the world. We discovered things. You know, at Mount Sinai, they also had sound waves. They also had technology then. But it wasn't revealed yet to the world. These are discoveries. There's no inventions. There hasn't been a single invention since the creation of Adam and Eve. That's it. Six days of creation, and that was it. Everything is embedded into the world. Sound waves, technology, medicine, everything was already created then. Today, we're just revealing all of that. We're learning more about. I say that medicine today doesn't even understand 
0.1 of 1% of the wisdom of medicine. Just my simplest proof. What's the safest medicine you can take today? The safest. Okay, but the one that's most common, probably Tylenol or Advil or Motrin. Just read that container and see how many side effects there can be. Right? Including sudden death, suicide, uh, liver failure, kidney failure, anything you can imagine. You have a bad headache. You take too much of that medication, you'll have a different side effect. Why? If we understand medicine so well, there shouldn't be a side effect. But we don't. We did enough trial and error on people in Uganda and people in India. And we most people, it took away the thing. It's enough for us to say, the FDA says, it's okay. But we don't really understand why this has that effect or why that has that effect. We have no idea. No idea. I, I, I frequent with doctors. We learn together. And I ask them this question all the time. I say, okay, you're an eye doctor. You're an ear, nose, and throat doctor. You're whatever doctor they are. How much do you really understand of what's going on? I ask them this all the time. And most of them say, well, so we do trial and error. Well, it works. So, so, so we tried another patient. It works also. It doesn't work. Okay. We'll try something else. We, it's like a trial. It's shooting in the dark. We don't understand how it works. If we understood how it works, there wouldn't be any side effects. There wouldn't be any problems. But we try it, and whatever gets closest is best. Every single thing that we have around us today exists by the force that Hashem, the light of Hashem, that gives it the ability to exist. We have to get ourselves into a habit of seeing that everything around us exists by Hashem's will for it to exist. It exists by the light of Hashem. You look at your watch, every time we should remember, how does that watch operate? It has energy, has power. What's that power? It's a battery. Oh, it's a battery. Oh, it's a battery. Oh, battery. Eh, how's the battery work? That they put some chemical from the earth into this piece of metal and it creates electricity that makes the the watch go tick, tick, tock. Magic. Wow. No, there's no magic. It's the miracle of Hashem's light that he put into this world. You know, the Gemara says a very interesting story. One of the great Tanaic sages was right before Shabbos. And his daughter realized that instead of buying oil to light for the Shabbos candles, she by mistake bought vinegar. Those of you who know oil, you can light fire with oil. It's very difficult, impossible, to light fire with vinegar. So she went to her father. She's like, what am I going to do? All the shops are closed now. It's right before Shabbos. I have to light candles. And all I have is vinegar. See, he said, I don't understand what the problem is. He says, the same God who said that oil should burn will say that vinegar should burn. Light the vinegar and it'll burn. And so she did. And it did. It burnt. It's no less of a miracle that oil should burn than that vinegar should burn. We just know that usually oil lights, ignites, and vinegar doesn't. Well, Hashem can change that rule in a second. Hashem is the one who created 
that people call Mother Nature. Hashem created that. This is all the light of Hashem. We have to recognize that everything that exists in our world is the light of Hashem. I'll share with you a story. A friend of mine, a friend of mine who is part of Hatzalah as well, part of the emergency volunteer responders, he said that he was once going to a call in Queens, New York, and it was a code one. Code one is when someone stops breathing. You have to do CPR. You got to revive them. So he's running like a, you know, he's in an apartment building and he gets to the door of the elevator and the door, the door is not open. So he pushes the button. And as he's there, one of the older responders sees him there, who's coming to the call as well. And he says to him, take it easy. Calm down. Take a deep breath. The elevator will be here. I want you to understand something. We are fighting against the angel of death. It's unlikely that we're going to win. Understand the reality. Understand the reality. I think we need to understand that the world we're living in is a world of unbelievable light. It's unbelievable light. But we have to understand the reality. And the reality sometimes is that we're fighting the angel of death. Sometimes we're not going to win the war. We're not going to win the battle, but we'll win the war. Some people get depressed. Oh, I failed. I tried to win and I failed here and I failed there. God doesn't want me. I've heard people say this so many times. God, if you only knew what I have done, you wouldn't say that, Rabbi. No, it's because of what you're going to say that I'll tell you even more so that God wants you close. We all have our challenges. And just because we have challenges doesn't mean we give up. We never give because the light of Hashem is within each and every one of us. Yom Kippur is the day that that light shines on a much greater frequency than any other day of the year. It's a day that we can resolve to transform our lives. It's a day that we can resolve to change that the person I was yesterday and this whole past year and this whole past decade or quarter century not the same guy anymore. I'm changing. And it's going to take one small change and another small change. We don't change everything in one day. But one small thing. You know, there's a custom that during the 10 days of repentance, we don't eat bread that was baked by a non-Jew. Give me a break. The whole year I'm going to eat that and during the 10 days of repentance, I'm not going to and that's going to change everything? I think there's a very big secret in it. Sages te teach us, take something small. Take something that's almost insignificant. Okay, so instead of buying that bread, I'll buy the, 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 the Jewish brand bread for 10 days. You know what? It's something so small, something so minuscule. We'll say, eh, I can do this. 
That's the change that we're looking for. That's the change that Hashem says, that is a different person. Well, it's so insignificant. That is the greatest change. We mentioned previously, if you take a plane that's flying from New York to LA and you change its trajectory only one degree, one degree, adjust it, one degree, not 90 degrees, not 45 degrees, not 10 degrees, one degree, just one. So it's almost, it's, it's almost unrecognizable. It'll end up in Mexico. Why? Because right here it's nothing, but soon it becomes much greater distance. When we make change in our lives, we recognize that light of Hashem that is within each and every one of us. We say this one small thing I'm going to change. Right here today, it's not so significant. But in the long run, it's a massive change. It's a massive change. Anybody who's tried a diet knows that you can't do anything cold turkey. You've got to take slow, gradual change to transform who you are. And someone told me that over COVID, they lost 85 pounds. Wow, that's unbelievable. What did you change? Nothing. I walked a mile a day. That's it. I kept eating what I was eating, but I just changed one habit. I walked every day a mile. Think over a year and a half how much exercise the person did. Just one mile. 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 But every day, every day, slowly chiseled away a tenth of a pound, another 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 tenth of a pound. They just, they kept eating exactly what they ate till then. But that exercise, just a small change, changed their whole life. Shem should bless us all that this Yom Kippur should be a transformative Yom Kippur for each and every one of us where we're able to reveal the inner light that's within each and every one of us, to see the light, the godliness that is within the entire creation, that we should see a person, we shouldn't see them as a person, we should see them as a creation of God. We should see them as a light of God, as a beacon of light in this world. Exactly the way Hashem created them. Yeah, externally we get caught up with many different things. Look at the internal. Yom Kippur is a time for internal. We get rid of all the external. We get rid of the leather shoes. We get rid of the washing our hands and our and, and, and washing our face and eating. All the externals we get rid of. A holiday of internal. Connect to the essence of who you are. Shem should bless us all that this Yom Kippur should be the greatest Yom Kippur we've ever had. A day of atonement, a day of forgiveness, and a day of absolute closeness with Hashem. Amen. You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcast.com.